brought to you by your winning local team at Real Estate Alliance. OREA Own Dylan Nina, OREA Stokes and Quirk Clon Mel, and OREA Seamus Brown Ross Cray. See realestatealliance.ie. Hello, good evening and welcome to another edition of Extra Time. My name is Ronan Quirk. We're here until 8 o'clock this evening. We'd love to know your thoughts on the weekend of sport that was. Our text number is 083 Yeah, lots to come on tonight's show. We'll be reflecting on that great game in Cashel over the weekend between Cashel and Nina Ormond at the top of Division 2A of the All-Ireland League in rugby. And those two teams, after a victory for Nina Ormond, those two teams will go at it again in the new year in the reverse of that fixture. This time, of course, will be up in Lissatoni, New Ormond Park. And a uh, great game, really tight affair between those two top Tipperary sides. The win as well for Clonmel. We'll have rugby later in tonight's show. We'll also be speaking to Conor O'Donovan and those of you who will be familiar with Conor's crusade on the hand pass in hurling and the successful motion that was passed to Congress in order to try and deal with this ongoing blight on the game as he sees it. Uh, your thoughts on that? I'd love to hear them. 083-311-3311. That works for WhatsApp messages as well. And we'll have soccer with Barry Ryan before we go off air this evening. And just starting with soccer because the draw for the FAI Junior Cup was made uh, we will get more analysis on this from Barry later on tonight's show but if you haven't heard it Clonmel Celtic have been drawn at home to Malahide United uh, St Michael's have been drawn away to Hardwick FC of Dublin while the third Tipperary team still in the last 32 Pigvilla will be at home to Crumlin United so it's Dublin opposition for the three Tipperary sides Clonmel Celtic at home to Malahide Pigvilla at home to Crumlin and St Michael's away to Hardwick FC I have to say I've never heard of Hardwick FC before if you know anything about them please let me know or let Barry know 083 311 but let's start our show tonight by going back over some under 21 hurling action that took place over the course of the weekend and uh, delighted to be joined on the line um Let's just go to the phone lines really quickly um, because on the line uh, from Carrick Swan, uh, or it's not, it's John O'Shea. My apologies. John O'Shea, the Westboard PRO. How are you, John? Hello, uh, Ronan. Sorry, I'm getting me lines crossed already this, this evening and it's only six minutes past seven. My apologies. Uh, this West Under-21A hurling final took place in Kilcommon at the weekend. Kappa White led for large portions of this and were caught <coughs> at the end. Isn't that right? Look, they led for uh, 30, what, four and a half, 64 and a half minutes, Ronan. Uh, uh, never never headed in during that game, but a, a, a late goal uh, deep in injury time there from a 20-metre free by Stephen Sermon got uh, Tenelty over the line by by, by the minimum there. Uh, was it was a 215 to 117. Good game there, good conditions, uh, quick and excellent. And the only, I suppose, uh, problem was that the wind was blowing straight down the field have <clears throat> a white gale, you know, played with the aid of the wind in the first half. And I suppose for the first 10 minutes, they really owned the game. Like, you know, he couldn't lay a hand on them. And they laid six points to to one after that there. Uh, Stephen Thuncombe free there. The only uh, time Tenauti got in for a score. But then things, um, Tenauti made a few a couple of switches there and, and uh, it, it paid dividends. And for the remainder of the half there, it was sort of even Stephen. And Tapper went in at half time, 10 points to seven. You know, Tenelty would have been in good, um, you know, in, because they had aided the win coming behind them. But I suppose disaster struck for them 50 seconds after the throw-in there. Clapper uh, White Gales got a goal there, uh, a ball that wasn't probably dealt with adequately. It wasn't dealt with adequately by the, the, the Tenelty defence. Like, it probably hung in the air there for a while. And then to the goal, so all of a sudden they were down six points. And by the eighth minute, they were down seven points. But then... They, they came on a bit of a comeback and, and they drew level for the first time six minutes from time. And coming down the home straight was sort of score for score there. And in injury time then, Tapper White Gales got the, they went two points up. Uh, Packy Barry there and Mikey Carmody got got um, points for them in injury time. And it looked like that uh, Penelty's comeback was, you know, had come unstuck. But, you know, at the death there, Robert Dyle was fouled going going in and uh Sancombe stepped up for the, the twenty metre free and and, and and then he literally buried it, you know. Yeah, no, I saw uh, it on social media. It was a fine finish from that twenty one metre free, shades of the Seamus Hennessy back in twenty ten. I would ask though whether you feel that Kappa White just couldn't put 
Clonelty away or was it just Clonelty's nous that they stayed in it and gave themselves the chance? I suppose it was a combination of both. Tapper couldn't put them away like, you know. Uh, even in the first half, once Clonelty settled, as I said, the first 10 minutes was all Tapper. Uh, and they drove, and during that 10 minutes, they, they got six points and no wide. But then in the remainder of the first, they, they drove seven wide, you know what I mean? But at that time there, um, Robert Dial was brought out from full forward uh, around the middle of the field and Danny Slattery was pushed back in sort of in front of the full back line there because uh, Conor Martin was causing a bit of a problem there for Cappy Gales, you know. And, and uh, James Quinlan there got a couple of long-range frees as well there and, and, and they were really going well but uh, they didn't, um, you know, that they probably, with the wind that was in it, you'd felt that three points was really not enough. But then all of a sudden, against, the, you know, they, they, they went seven points up. But Stephen Sankham got a goal for Canality there 12 minutes into the second half. <clears throat> and uh, that's, um, you know, brought him back within three points of it. And and, and Sankham's accuracy, because he, he actually finished with two, what was it, two eleven out of two uh, fifteen, you know. Yeah. And Canality were probably disciplined enough in the back in, in so far as they weren't giving away frees as such, like... Quinlan, James Quinlan got five points from freeze, but the nearest one was probably 65 metres out, if you know what I'm saying, for some 65 out. So they were very disciplined, and Kappa only got one score from from, <clears throat> from a free there by Conor Martin early on. Sort of inside their own was 40 metres, like, you know what I mean? So, so, um, <clears throat> so now the backs were very, very disciplined. And while... <clears throat> You know, they had a mixture of a couple of, you know, the, the strong that's which we know, Jason, the way on the goals, you had Danny Stafford, mm. uh, centre back, uh, full forward, and, and, and Duncan, centre forward. But, uh, but these are fellas a, with had, senior hurling experience as well. Like correct, plenty of correct. And then they had, they had a young fellow, Paddy Kendi, there in the middle of the field. He'd be first year. Uh, in adult, you know what I mean? Yeah. And, 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 and no disrespect to Kappa, but it's when I say senior hurling experience, I'm talking Dan Breen experience. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Now, Kappa White, in fairness, had had some big players as well. And then, you know, they didn't let him down either on the day. Like, they had a very strong half back line there, Packy. Um, they had a Keen Carroll, uh, Garrod Bond, Garrod Bond and, and, and James Quinlan. <clears throat> and Conor Merton was causing all sorts of problems. <clears throat> but he was, you know, he was curtailed enough. Like, he was limited to three points. You know, Mikey Cameron, he got the goal just after half time and he got two points as well. Uh, what Packy Barry, I'd say, got what? He, he must have finished up with... Um, Barry got three points from play, and Sam Carmody two points from play. They had a, they had a, a wider spread of scores than Canelty, but Fernandcom really was the difference. I think he, he missed one mm. three early on from the middle of the field, but was against the wind. And I think he he probably he missed another one. I'd say in the second half. But other than that, like he he he's one ten from freeze. Like yeah, no. it's very impressive. And, all right, uh, what I see, especially six of those, six of those. Six of those against the wind in the first half, yeah. uh, Ronan, if you know what I'm saying. Oh, I know, I know exactly. But one other thing I'd just say to you, and I see on social media, uh, Rossmore National School, 15 of the past pupils of their school were on the panel and uh, they welcome, They were welcomed back in Rossmore National School today with the Cup. And if ever anyone wants reminding of how important a divisional title is in any grade, at any underage, whatever, you just see the classroom full of youngsters wearing Clonelty Rossmore jerseys uh, cheering on uh, 15 Clonelty Rossmore under 21 players bringing in the cup I, I think it's marvellous It is and you know you're dead right uh, what the divisional titles mean now, and Clonelty would have won a lot of West under 21 titles but these young lads you see in, in that school that national school wouldn't have seen it before maybe do you know what I mean I wouldn't have appreciated it Well to have 15 is a lot yeah Yeah that's the difference like over the like because I suppose they had 24 of a panel there yesterday. But the one thing about that team, Ron, three years ago when Minor was 18, Penelty were hammered in the semi-final of the West B Minor Championship. Okay. And normally a club that didn't get to a divisional final they'd be entered in that B grade again. But Penelty yeah. enter that A again because any chance they get, they play at the higher grade, if you know what I mean. Oh, and I know exactly what like you mean, I, yeah. Uh, at the start of the championship this year, I'd be honest with you, I didn't think they would win it. And that's being honest about it. Uh, uh, I knew I knew they had six or seven very, very good players. But it was, the, I suppose, some known lads yesterday that really uh, dug in and fought like carriers, like, you know what I mean? And probably 
done an awful lot of good work and a lot of in the rucks and in you know the hooking and the blocking and all that and a lot of younger lads there'd be some of them probably only probably 19 or 18 or 19 you know what I mean yeah and and um, but it just shows you like that that, that uh, there, there is a lot of old work being done uh, at underage there and and, and well that under 21 grade has been good now in the division anyway like you know what I mean they, they, they seem to be able to hold them at that you know, at that age, yeah. like, uh, they don't necessarily, just if you lose, uh, a lot of teams and they win a minor there and they come up three years later when it used to be, we'll say, the, the 18. And, but that hasn't been Tenalty's way. Like, they would have probably only won maybe half the minor titles that they have under 21, if you know what I'm saying. Of course. It's Ross Gray awaiting Tenalty next, isn't it? Yeah, Ross Gray, like, uh, I'll wait in a while there. They came yeah. through a hard North, North Championship. Like, you know, beat a good Pumivara team in the final there. Uh, um, that's on in Temple Delhi next Saturday now at half one uh, I wouldn't next know next Saturday much about 23rd there. of December mother of God I know it's a perennial question about when you get the under 21 grade played but look uh, it's better to have games than not have games even if you saw the crowd that was evolving common yesterday there. Everyone would have liked to be there. Absolutely. You know what I mean? Yeah I know and f- people make the argument about fellas need to go off and enjoy the Christmas and I do get that but you know what it's a great conundrum to be in you know the fact that you're playing a county semi-final and uh, I'm sure if you ask the players they're, they're, they're mighty glad these, to be these guys the will enjoy themselves these guys will enjoy themselves after the match next Saturday yeah. win or lose that's it they were dead right John can I just wish you happy Christmas thank you for all your efforts Likewise, over the course on. of the year it's great talking to you every week and uh, I'm sure we'll be chatting to you because we'll be looking forward to your match report on Clendelty Ross Grey in due course yeah the corner of the thanks a million John uh, take care of yourself Bye. Sloan, that's John O'Shea, Westboard Piero. He does a mighty job, I have to say, um, and we wish him well and everyone out in West Tipperary as well. Uh, Clenelty winning that great game and a great crowd, which is great to see. Also great game and a great crowd, the South final between St Mary's and Carrick Swan. Joining me on the line is Stephen Hassey, a Celeste, uh, selector with Swan. How are you, Stephen? Hi, Ronan, how are you? I'm well. If I told you we were going to win by eight points uh, last Saturday morning, I don't know if you'd believe me. No, not not so much, Rona. No, sure. Um, you know, you, you take winning by a point in any final, um, as I'm sure you or any of the listeners will, will attest to. But uh, for us to win by eight was um, greatly satisfying. But I suppose all credit to St Mary's for for battling until the end. They never gave up, and they laid they laid siege to our goal there for the last couple of moments. And um, you know they kept fighting till the end. Mm-hmm. Then, so as you can, when the Carrick's won and St Mary's face off, there's never a whole lot in it. So to win by eight was um, was especially pleasing. I suppose they, the St Mary's team had a fair smattering of fellas with good senior experience in the Seamus Arena Championship. You know, fellas like James Morris, intercounty experience as well. Yeah, correct. Yeah, I suppose look for to, to all the. To the outside perspective was that St Mary's were favourites going up there and um, you know we knew we'd have to perform extremely well to stand a chance and to be fair to our lads now everyone who took to the field we had 24 lads clogged out and we had 24 lads who were ready to win at any stage if they were needed but everyone did their job as they were asked to do and performed very well so yeah no it was, it was a fantastic feel now afterwards yeah Do you like the under tag uh, the underdog tag in Carrick I have a feeling you do I think it's something that you revel in uh, as a general principle and I'm not just talking about the swan I'm talking about the people of Carrick yeah, maybe so, Ronan. Yeah, yeah. Um, I suppose people you, people remember the underdog story, don't they? You know, the, the finals that you win when you're not expected to. Those are the sweet ones and the ones you remember. But we've won finals before where 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 we were the the favourite as well. Yeah. Um, well, I know. I, I'm not wishing to take from you at all because I, the, the moral of the story is never ever bet against the Carrick team in the final as some clever man told me many years ago and I've, it's a principle <laughs> I've always held true but uh, you know I talk about I'm just wondering how many of your under 21 team have also experience up with your seniors yeah I would like, again we have, we have a strong we have a strong um, presence on, on, on the Premier Intermediate panel ourselves to be fair mm. um, but we have also people who were on our minor team this year so like you know we had a nice blend there between experienced guys and some young 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 players as well. We got two 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 of our young players came on yesterday who also tasted victory on in the minor team this year. So for them to come away with an under seventeen and an under twenty one south south medal in the same year, like I suppose is a testament to what we're trying to do in Carrick and we're trying to promote youth and uh, believe in them, you know, which yeah. is which is a big thing. Drum have been waiting for you. Yeah, yeah. Um if for those who've been following Drum's results now they've been very impressive. Um 
they took care of Holy Cross in the quarter final. As we all know, Holy Cross has been the benchmark underage, under under seventeen, under nineteen, for the last two years. Correct. So that was definitely a standout result um, to the to the outside observers, I suppose. And then they backed that up then with a great victory against Sarsfield in the in the final. So again, that might have surprised quite a few people, especially with Sarsfield being backbone by a lot of Dan Breen and Seamus Noreen um, players and. But, which both of those teams, Sarsfield's teams, got to county finals this year. So I suppose to everyone outside Drum, that would have been a major surprise. But um, you have to give great respect now to Drum on, on the basis of those two. And they, beat a good, they would have beaten a good Borland team in the semi final too. So they've they've got some good players on. And, and you know, if you look through their team sheet there now, they've got players with favourite Tipperary underage. And they feature heavily still in the Summer 21 team. So look, we have a major job on our hands on Saturday. And look, if our lads can perform, similar to how we performed yesterday, we'll have a little bit of a chance, but we'll really take that. Yeah, I, I, a perennial question is where you fit this championship in. Um, a lot of people yeah. sort of would say, you know, it's not great playing matches this time of the year, etc. I sort of have some sympathy for the players, you know, asking them to play on two days before Christmas Day and maybe then play again uh, between Christmas and New Year. But I'd say if you ask the players, and correct me if I'm wrong, the players must be just delighted to be in a county semi-final. Oh, for sure, Roland. I, I can tell this now, and there's nobody in the Carrick Swan Club and complaining about that. It's a great headache to have and a great problem to have. Um, personally, I love the Under 21 Championship. I think it's the best championship of the ball. Um, it's, it's always um, for, for club members to see um, the youth coming through and you know, give signs and shoots of growth and signs of hope for the future. Um, I suppose the Under 21 Championship it is difficult to prepare for because you've got a, such a short lead in time and then it's run as a knockout basis. But I do think that actually adds to the magic of the whole thing, you know. Um, every weekend, there's teams going hammers and tongues at us. There's no shadow boxing going on, you know. There's no uh, dummy teams being put out or, you know, you're not trying to hide anything for, for later down the year. You have to go at, at it. And if you're not at it, you'll be knocked out. And, yeah. you know, it really does add to the magic of the whole thing. Well, look, congratulations to everyone in Swan. We've got four, sorry, four great teams left in this championship. Ross Gray will take on Clonality. Drum will take on Swans. Is that match fixed for next Saturday for you as well? Or do you know yeah, yeah, we're on, we're 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 playing a banjo on okay. um, on Saturday at half past one. Yeah, so right. um, yeah, no, it, it should be a great occasion, and we're really looking forward. To it. Absolutely, well, I'm sure you'll bring a crowd as well. Uh, always do. Listen, good talking to you, Stephen. Happy Christmas to everybody in Carrick, and uh, we wish you well. We'll talk to you in the New Year. Thanks, Ronan. Same to yourself. Take it easy. Thanks indeed, Stephen Hansey there, the selector with the Swans under-21 team. We wish them well. And indeed, the four teams involved, Ross Gray, Clonality, Drum and Swan. In other results in the county under-21B hurling championship, this is the Brophy Cup. Silvermines had a 4.19 to 12-point victory over Galti Rovers St. Pecan. So as I've said to you already, Swan beat Mary's in the under-21A. It was Swan 3.14, St. Mary's 1.12. And in the B of that, which is also played in Feathered, uh, Killinall defeated Mile Rovers 3.11 to Mile Rovers. Overs won twelve, and you've you've heard about the West Under Twenty One A hurling final. Clannelty Rossmore two fifteen, Kappa White Gales one seventeen. We have a break. Take we'll be t- speaking to Conor O'Donovan when we come back after this. Extra time on Tip FM, brought to you by your winning local team at Real Estate Alliance. Orea Own Dylan Nina, Orea Stokes and Quirk Clan Mel, and Orea Seamus Brown Ross Cray. Star of the Month with the Talbot Hotel Clonmel, multi-award winning wedding specialists with state-of-the-art leisure facilities and spa with food served daily. The Tip FM Sports Star of the Month. Get your nominations in now. Yeah, if you have a a nominee for the December Tip FM Sports Star of the Month for the month of December, just send it to sportsstar at tipfm.com. That's sportsstar at tipfm.com. Conor O'Donovan, how are you? Good evening, Ronan. How Good are you? Good talking to you again, my friend. A um, lot to unpack and a lot to talk about, uh, <laughs> Connor, because your motion got through Congress. But before I come to the motion and the wording of the motion, I suppose for those of you who haven't followed this story uh, for the last, I don't know, couple of years in your case, um, mm-hmm. why do you think that the hand pass rule, which served the game of hurling well when you played it, and indeed served the game of hurling well in the last century? Why is that no longer fit for purpose? Uh, it's, it's quite simple, Ronan, really. Like the, the, the sport of hurling has become more possession-based, like primarily through its range of hand-passing skills, right? And the type of hand-pass that is most used by players now is where the ball is offloaded directly from the same hand that is holding it. So, so in doing so, 
players are a lot more frequently engaging in the act of throwing the ball, mm. which is seldom penalised by the referees. And one of the key reasons why referees do not penalise it is because they physically cannot see how the ball was released by the player. So to give the benefit of the doubt to the player, and while unintended, this facilitates more and more instances of players throwing the ball. Now, and, and conversely, on occasions, albeit you know, not that often, it does happen that referees penalise players for throwing the ball, when in fact uh, the players have passed the ball correctly. Yeah, I was I was straight in front of Bonner Marr uh, in the Limerick game in Thurles last year where he executed, mm. beautifully executed can pass and much to the frustration mm. of the supporters, he got blown for that while other clear throws weren't blown. Mm. So is it a difficulty or an inability to police it properly that requires a change or is it that because the sport has evolved to a point where a change is necessary? I'm wondering where the where the burden of of necessity arrives here? Uh, yeah, there's a, there's a couple of aspects to that one, uh, Ronan. And, and, and first of all, look, I think basically coaches have identified a weakness of the two playing rules that, if you like, exist currently, right? Uh, like, and just for information there, Rule 4.2A states that it is a foul to throw the ball. And Rule 4.2B states that it is a foul to hand pass the ball without it being released and struck with a definite striking action of a hand. Right, so um, the coaches have identified that there's a weakness with those rules because if a, if, a, if a referee is unsighted, there's no way he can see how effectively uh, a player has hand-passed the ball, whether he's thrown it or whether he's actually struck it with his hand. So, as I say, the coaches have identified that, right? So, and, and then you have... You know, some people talk about hurling evolving over the years and it has now become more possession-based via the hand-passing. So we're supposed to accept that ball-throwing is just a natural progression of this whole evolutionary process, as you, as you, as you called it there. And, and that, that argument has no logic to it, right? It's an so, argument that's often put forward on, say, the Sunday game by the likes of, of uh, uh, Derek, um, used to man- manage Waters... Mark, Mark. McGrath. Derek McGrath, thank you, and and even Don Logue as well to a certain extent have sort of said these are brilliant skills and the players the the movement is so fast the wrist motion is so fast that you just can't see it mm-hmm. and it's your fault because you can't see it. Yeah, well, look, really to me those sort of arguments you know don't, don't stand up to scrutiny at all, right? Um, but like the, the thing about it is if referees. You know, they've identified themselves, those type of coaches and that, that if referees start penalising every time a player is, even looks like he's throwing the ball, that the referee is going to get a lot of criticism from all quarters, you know, from players, from management, from supporters and that. So hence, on the law of averages, the referees are not going to penalise them. Okay, so um, and, and, and you know, they're, they're rolling the dice, if you like, on it, but it's, it's working in their favour. And it's like so, like so. To me, like, and I think to a lot of people, like hurling currently is evolving negatively because of the ball throwing virus. Right. So, like, eliminate ball throwing, and the game of hurling will evolve positively, as everything else will involve the striking of the ball, either with the hurling or with the other hand passing options, all of which involve the definite striking action of the hand by their very nature. You know, so, I know, I, I, so, and I take that argument because I'm I'm on the same page as you. I probably should declare an interest here in that I, I fully okay, support yeah. what you're doing, but I am trying to put arguments to you that others might put in the course of debate. Um, you brought a motion last year and it wasn't successful. You brought it back this year and perhaps, mm. with all due respects, you might have done your homework on convention a little better because you were able to explain your case with the use of video and also perhaps be there to answer questions that delegates may have had in relation to how mm-hmm. this proposed wording was going to be implemented on the field of play. Yes, and and look, I mean, I, I didn't attend the convention last year um, and look, to be fair, you know, people had uh, queries as to how else, you know, players could hand pass the ball if they can't do it from the same hand as holding the ball. It is important that those queries, if you like, be answered. And hence, I put together then uh, a short video uh, demonstration of the different hand passing options uh, that are available to players, you know, uh, if they can't hand pass the ball directly from the same hand that is holding it. And there are three other uh, hand passing options available, and they all involve 
a definite striking action of the hand. So I was able to uh, play that video. It's only just over 60 seconds um, on last Saturday week at the convention, you know, for the benefit of everybody who was there. And I think it has clarified for a lot of people. I, 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 I'm not so sure that there was uh, objections last year because they just, you know, were against the rule change, but they just couldn't, I think, maybe uh, clearly picture in their minds how well players can mm. actually hand pass the ball. I've seen a video you put together with some young lads and Nina and it's very yep. clear to me what you what you intend. Um, yep. And I can clearly see on that video the skill you're trying to espouse between you, when you release the ball from the, the, the hand that's carrying the ball, the hurley mm-hmm. then has to be transferred from one hand to the other to allow the hand that was holding the hurley then become free to pass the ball. And it looks very simple when you're doing it for, for demonstration purposes. I'm thinking about the white heat of a Munster Championship and whether or not players will be able to execute that without dropping the hurling. Well, that, that's a good point, um, uh, Ronan. Um, like, the thing about it is, as, you know, you, you go back to when maybe I was playing hurling, right? Um, and, and when I subsequently went on and did a bit of coaching, it was very important to be able to, you know, uh, coach those uh all, all those hand-passing skills to all the various players. So everybody knew how to actually execute those hand-passing skills. You know, even, as I say, the one where you're swapping the hand, the hurley from one hand to the other while you're, while you're hand-passing with the other hand. So, like, the thing about it is this. It, once you know what the playing rules are, right, then it's up to you to decide then and to be clear in your head how you can play the ball before it actually even comes to you. So we'll just say for the sake of argument, if there's a ball coming down out of the sky, and there's a few players around me. I will decide, you know, this is now with the introduction of the rule, rule 4.2C, we'll say, right? That I, I will, may, may well decide it's not in my best interest to catch the ball here because if I do, I could be surrounded by players and I won't be able to offload it. So the option is there for me to play the ball in the air, beat the batted back or double in it, or just knock it down to a teammate with a hurry. And, you know, so, you know, this is... There's a term for it, uh, Ronan, and it's called advanced awareness. And it's the way players have to be thinking in advance before the ball comes to them as to what their options are and will be when the ball does actually come to them. Okay. No, that's an interesting point because it will fundamentally change the approach that coaching staff and players will, will, will take to, say, a dropping ball. Do you think that perhaps one of the unintended consequences or maybe an unintended consequence and a beneficial one will be a reduction in the amount of rocks, for want of a better term where the ball becomes unplayable and the referee has to stop the game and throw it in because that does break up play and it kind of infuriates supporters if you see a game littered and I use the word littered deliberately with continuous rocks I, I am I, I'm fully convinced Ronan it will improve the rock situation, that it will lead to a big reduction of the rocks as time goes on. Uh, currently, one of the reasons why rocks form is a player runs to the ball, he's on the ground, he runs to the ball, and then he stops up to roll lift it. Okay, so by the time he gets to roll lift it, he's surrounded by other players. All right? So the option then, of course, when he's surrounded by other players, will not be there to hand pass the ball from the hand that's holding it. Right? So now, he'll have to think before he actually gets to the ball, Will it be in my best interest to stop and roll lift it, or will I just go and jab lift it on the run? And that there, and and, and time will go on. I've no doubt players will do that. They'll jab lift it on the run. Hence, uh, the, the prevention, if you like, of rocks from forming. These are skills of the game that I think you are are passionate about. Somebody being a custodian of, and throwing the ball is not a skill in the game, and the, passing it off to Hurley or else. Tri- passing it from the, an alternate hand that held the ball is a skill that you'll have to develop. And also that jab lift that you're describing is something that we don't perhaps see enough of and it's something that we perhaps, you know, need to coach more. Uh, absolutely. And, and you know, it, it's, a, it's a basic uh, skill, jab lifting the ball on the run. And, you know, people say at the moment that the game has never been faster. To be honest with you, Ronan, because of the likes of the rooks, um, and, and the arm around the neck tackle, the game has actually slowed down. So with the introduction of the jab lift, that's going to lead to the pace of the play even picking up and, and becoming consistently faster 
because it's going to be, you know, players are going to be on the move a lot more. They're going to be striking the ball on the move as opposed to stopping up to hit it. And I, and I think that's only, that, that's all positive for the game of hurling. We had two really good club All-Ireland semi-finals this weekend. I don't know how much of or either of them you saw. They were exciting. They were littered with throw ball as well. But some people might look at that and say, do you know what, Connor? there's not a whole lot wrong with the game. <laughs> oh, God, Ronan. Now, I didn't see those games, but I've been here anecdotally. There was a lot of throwing at the ball that uh, was not penalised. But, you know, I'm not surprised with that. Um, but like to say ignore the rules as they are, you know that's been totally disingenuous and disrespectful to the game of hurling. Okay, no, yeah, I think you're right. You, can, yeah. you can't cherry pick the rules you're going to enforce. I agree with you. No, exactly, exactly. Because I mean, uh, hurling is essentially about striking the ball. Okay, and the rules are rules, and they have to be obeyed. And if there's a rule change, well, hopefully this rule will, you know, rule four point two c as we call it, will get introduced. And players will adapt. You know, I mean, always over the years, back in my time, I have a recollection, there was a time when we couldn't, uh, we could drop the hurley to hand pass the ball. But then the rules came in, the states, you couldn't drop the hurley to hand pass the ball. And we adapted. We got on very quickly. It was no hassle. And in in one of your videos, I think you you show Nicky hand passing the ball with a different hand, but he's hand passing the ball over the bar, which is something that has has since subsequently been, uh, been outlawed. Yes, but I think to be fair, it wasn't about him scoring the point. No, it's just it was the way he excuses the, the hand pass. The, yeah. the technique, the technique. Yeah. Which no, did. no, I understand the point that you were making with that, but I suppose it was—it's mm. about game. The rules do evolve, and the, you know, uh, God Almighty, yeah. back in the Rattlers' day, you could rush the goalkeeper. You wouldn't want to be. You know, there was lots of things you could do back then that you don't, you can't do anymore. And rules evolve, and this is another one. Uh, exactly. Can I ask you about trialing it and freshers? Mm. And what you've seen some of those, and what has been yes. your impression of that trial? Okay, I intended I attended two of the freshers trials games in in UL, um, and and I have to say, um, while, while there were some instances of illegal hand passes in both games, there was three in the first when I intended attended, and four in the second. They were immediately penalised by the referee. Okay, but it, it was impressive. I have to say how well the players adapted to the new hand-pass playing rule. Uh, one could sense, if like, players' hurling brain was more engaged, along with their hurling skills, you know, with the different ways they play the ball with the hurling, and, and also, you know, using the other hand-passing options uh, that were still available to them. And believe it or not, one, <laughs> my two guys pulled on a 50-50 ball. That's a rare sight these days, yeah, I have to say, yeah. you know. But they just pulled on it and clashed. There was a clash, and it was great to see. It was great to see. And uh, then two weeks ago, I watched the Freshers final online uh, and there was only one instance of an illegal hand pass early on in the game, which the referee penalised. After that, the game became very enjoyable to watch as players used their hurlies in different ways. It's amazing how inventive they, 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 they were. You know, different ways to play the ball. There was that brick flick. There was a, a lob hurley pass with, you know, with one hand on the hurley. Uh, there, there were short direct passes with the hurley with two hands on the hurley. And ultimately, like what was great for me, Andrea, looking on was that feeling of of, of, um, of frustration which you know the, the absence of that feeling of frustration which one experiences when seeing the ball being thrown in the modern game yeah no I I, I, I think it's a it's a it's a, an argument that doesn't have a counterbalanced argument to it <laughs> because I think it's it's so intuitive that the something needs to be done and yeah. it needs to be done very quickly but what I find interesting about that freshers experiment is yeah. that a lot of those fellas would have been coached differently at club level mm-hmm. in terms of a hand pass. They go into a university, third level in, environment, and they're told what you know about the hand pass, you've got to unlearn. But their mm-hmm. hurling brain was capable of mm-hmm. unlearning that very, very quickly, is what I'm hearing from you. Uh, absolutely. And um, if I could just say, after the first game, I spoke with uh, the centre-back for UL, Aaron Morgan from Killeran McDonald's. And I asked him, you know, how he found the adapting to that game, you know, where you couldn't hand pass the ball from the same hand that the ball is in. And that was his second game playing. And he found it, he said, he was very positive, I have to say. Uh, he found that he was engaging his brain a lot more. But one thing he clearly noticed was, and he... You know, with the normal hurling game, he said he would have the, t- uh, the tendency 
when he has the ball in his hand, to run into attacker and then offload the ball. But he found himself not doing that. He found himself, you know, avoiding running into attack and, and releasing the ball earlier. And that kept the player flowing. And I, to me, and, and you could see and hear throughout the game, uh, all the players on the both sides, you know, if you like, issuing and reminding the, their teammates not to, not to hand pass the ball, or, right. you know, from the same hand. We watch the hand pass, they say. You know, so they were very much engaged in uh, this, this, this trial, we'll say, right, in a positive way. One could see that. Negative, you know, and, a negative tactic. Hmm? A negative tactic can be unlearned. If you're going, if you know you're going to get penalised for it, you will unlearn that tactic very quickly because your teammates will suffer for it. Well, that's exactly it. Because you, you, you know, you will be penalised. It will be free against you, and uh, that's going to go to harm yeah. your, your team. You know. Just one last question, Connor, because I've got to move on, and that mm-hmm. is about how you canvass support from other counties. And just to give you flavour, um, some of the texters, it's a bit fifty-fifty, and I have to be honest with you. Some mm-hmm. people sort mm-hmm. of would say Connor should worry about the standard of club hurling in this county and not worry about the hand pass rule. But I think mm-hmm. we're all worried about the standard of hurling, and that's I think where you're coming to it from. But another texter says, "I'm a Cork man. I've no great interest in Tipperary GA affairs, but this motion is a breath of fresh air to me. Well done, Tip from a Cork man. That's from a listener in Kildare. So we do." cross the border occasionally in the show so I'm welcome <laughs> listener from Kildare but uh, so that just gives you flavour my question really is how do you go about canvassing support for this there's no point bringing this motion to Congress without get, reading the room OK well at this point um, uh, Ronan uh, th- there's a, a rule there that says that motions coming from clubs for playing rule changes can only be submitted to Congress every five years in the years divisible by five. So our club's motion, was the Nina Rogue's motion, can only be submitted to Congress in 2025. However, um, a Standing Committee on Playing Rules, who are actually trialling the, the, the rules with the freshers hurling, right, they can put forward uh, a proposal to Central Council every year uh, for uh, a motion for a rule, playing rule change uh, to be submitted to Congress. So uh, my reading of it at the moment is that uh, there's a, a crowd called Gaelic Stats and they will do an analysis of the trial rules following feedback from the referees and the development officers and the coaches, right? And then present their report to Central Council in January 2024. I would be hopeful then that Central Council will put the motion forward to Congress at 2024 for approval. So um, I, what they will do to canvas support for that, I don't know. But if, we'll just say, if it was unsuccessful uh, in, at Congress in 20, uh, next February, we'll say in 2024, yeah. well, then we have the, the following year to canvas support then from other counties for, for the Nina. Congress, Congress 2025. OK. You know? yeah. Look, look Connor, I, I have to go to an outbreak, but I want to wish you well. Mm. And I know this is just another step in the journey that you've been on for a number of years. Um, You've convinced yeah. me. You haven't convinced everybody yet, but uh, <laughs> but but uh, you know uh, you you got to no, keep going with this. Man. No, I know you got to keep going with yeah. this. You got to listen. Yeah. What I will say to you is, a few years ago, I think it was um, Sean Kavanagh pulled down Conor McManus in a football match, and before you knew it, we had a black card in football. So uh, change can come quicker than you think. Um, it only might take one or two instances, but stay. Hopefully. Keep Hopefully. the faith and stay the course. Uh, listen, Rona, I, I, I will do. And thanks very much for your continued support and coverage uh, all along of this issue, uh, Rona. Okay? And listen, happy and Christmas to everybody up there. And many happy returns. Thanks, Thank Lee. That's Conor O'Donovan. Uh, bring us up to speed with that. It's it's something that is not going to be resolved here tonight by any stretch of the imagination, but it is something that we will return to as it goes along. It'll be interesting to see what those stats come out with and whether or not this motion will get to the floor, albeit through the, uh, through the other mechanism that Connor outlined there we've a break take we'll be back right after this Extra Time on Tip FM brought to you by your winning local team at Real Estate Alliance OREA Own Dylan Nina OREA Stokes and Quirk Clan Mel and OREA Seamus Brown Ross Cray realestatealliance.ie on Tip FM, brought to you by your winning local team at Real Estate Alliance. OREA Own Dylan Nina, OREA Stokes and Quirk Clan Mel, and OREA Seamus Brown Ross Cray. See realestatealliance.ie. You're welcome back. Our text number is 083 311 In local rugby this weekend, Old Crescent, not Old Crescent, I should say, Nina Ormond have extended their lead to eight points at the top of Division 2A after they won the Tipperary Derby, defeating second place Cashel 
20 points to 16. Josh Rowland, John Healy and Ben Pope scored tries for Nina with Pope adding a conversion and a penalty. Tom Tobin was Cashel's try scorer. Ben Toomey converted and added three penalties in a really good clash in Spafield and Cashel and the reverse fixture will be early January when Nina will entertain Cashel and that will go a long way to deciding how those two teams are going to finish. Uh, Cashel will have to win that if they're going to stay on the coattails of Nina Ormond I'd imagine but Cashel got a bonus point from that. They'll be happy with that. Let's go into dip into Division 2C because Joe Winston's on the line. Hi Joe. Hi you're on. We've spoken to you before about the importance of the home games and this was a huge win for you, I would say, over in Escorthy, or I think we're second at kickoff up in Ardgeha on Saturday. Um, and an exciting game as well. It finished 32 26 to the home side. Yeah. Uh, and Escorthy had beaten the league leaders, Clotha Valley, the week before, so they would have uh, really fancied themselves coming down uh, to us. Um, but as we've been doing all season, we've been threatening to play well, or we've played well in patches, but we managed to keep it together for the 18 minutes this time uh, and well, hopefully that's the sign of things to come I was going to ask whether this represents a turning point for your side because I would agree with you in terms of you know there, there have been some significant points dropped along the way yeah yeah oh yeah uh, without a doubt I mean there's lots of three or four games where I think in every game we've played this season we've actually taken the lead but not managed to hold on to them uh, the Tullamore game in Clumber was the the prime example of doing well for 50 minutes and then switching off. But I think we're learning from that. We have a very young team. Uh, when we were down in Middleton last week, uh, with the squad of 20, we noted that uh, eight of them uh, under 20 years of age. Now, they're all good players, but uh, you could say they're starting to have to learn growing up rugby fairly quickly. Yeah, even physically, they're not finished developing at 20 years of no, age, for, no, for no, no, if, particularly if you're playing um, AIL, yeah. senior rugby. Yeah, that we're probably the smallest pack in the division, but we're, you know, we're holding our own there mostly. Uh, you come up against some teams, and sure, you think you're up against giants, but the technique the boys have, um, we're, not, we're not getting destroyed in the scrum, as I say. Um, so we're holding our own there on that one. But again, it's about experience. A lot of these lads have to go through. Now, I mean, the fact that Enniscorty were capable of beating Clower Valley, who were very, very yeah. impressive earlier on in the season, you'll know that when you went yeah. up there to play them yeah. in the north. Uh, you'll have a reverse fixture now against Enniscorty early in Jan. Yeah, that'll be our first one on the 13th. Um, so they'll be gunning for us. But hopefully we'll learn from last Saturday that we can take on and beat these fellas if we concentrate for the 18 minutes, cut out the silly mistakes or switching off. Um so that you know, we'll work on it over the Christmas period with them and try and get them in the right place. They'll, they'll know that they can be in a score team. And we've beaten them up there before, so it's not Mission Impossible or anything like that. It's an interesting table. Brough had a good win at home against Middleton. You see, uh, what I'm p- yeah. picking up from that though is that on any given day. A lot of sides, perhaps if you take the top one or two away and you take the bottom one or two away, other than that, anyone is capable of beating anyone. Yeah, oh, 100%. It's like you say, the important games are very, very important. But funnily enough, for us now, say, a quarter of the way through the season, we were winning on the road rather than winning at home. We were making those silly mistakes at home. Um, if we go back to the very first match of the season, which was at home to profit, that's a game we should have won. Um, Galwegians, to be fair, were they were the better team on the day when we played them. Um, and then we had Omar and we we did very well against them as well. Stuck 37 points on them. Uh, we're scoring. Uh, but as I say, we're getting up a lead at times and then we're switching off. But I've, as we said last Saturday, hopefully... Players will have learned from that and realise that the game is 80 plus minutes long and they've got to concentrate for that long. Just before I let you go, uh, quick word Nina and Cashel faced off against each other in Cashel on Saturday. I know you didn't see this match, but uh, yeah. it's great to see two Tipperary sides clashing like this at the top of a table clash. It does maintain interest in the rug in, in, in rugby in this county. You see Kilfika oh, yeah. were in an all Ireland semi final this weekend. Now they yeah. were beaten by a team from Belfast, I think, in that all yeah. Ireland. But it was an all Ireland semi final. It just shows yeah. the strength in that. Yeah, and they won it a couple of years they ago. They did, yeah. They, did, they won it during during COVID, I think, and nobody really yeah. got to celebrate. Yeah, that's right, yeah. Um well 
been saying this for a long time now. There's three counties of Monster with senior clubs, and that's obviously Demerick and Cork and Tipperary. We have three senior teams that 25 years ago we had none. And again, all you have to do look at Carmel High School, and they're into the school's junior cup this year. So Tipperary or rugby is thriving at Tipperary. Yeah, absolutely. We've got to keep supporting it and, and driving it on. Joe, have a lovely Christmas. i got to fly, but thanks for your time this evening. You're welcome, Ron, and happy Christmas to you too. Take it easy. All right. Thanks indeed. Bye. Joe Winston joining us there. Let's go to Barry Ryan, who's on the line. Barry, how are you? How are you, Ronan? Uh, we're going to start with the Munster Champions Cup semi-final. Peak Villa uh, against Villa of Waterford. I'll try not to get my villas mixed up, but Peak Villa of <laughs> Thurles against Villa of Waterford. It was a belter of a game, but one thing struck me. By the time extra time finished, was there enough natural daylight left to play football in? Ah, there probably was just about, yeah, but there's no doubt about it. At this time of the year, um, it's getting pretty dull. But I'll tell you one thing, it was the only dull thing um, in what was a rip-roaring contest. And probably the most significant thing uh, when you take the result aside was Peak Villa were significantly better than Villa of Waterford, um, which bodes really, really well for Peak Villa going into the latter stages now of the FBI Junior Cup and the Munster Junior Cup, but they will wonder how this one got away from them. They must be kicking themselves because they led, and I think they led for with time almost up in normal time at the end of ninety. Yeah, look, the thing about these big games is they're decided in both boxes. And Rowan, we should be sitting here tonight talking about Rowan Maguire getting a hat-trick in a big game at a Munster Cup semi-final in Turles. He's had, he had gilt-edge up edge opportunities. And look, the Villa Waterford keeper made some big saves. And when a game goes on like that and you don't get that second goal and you miss a couple of chances, you always wonder if there's going to be a sting in the tail. And then going down to 10 men, um, that definitely contributed because Peak Villa looked like they were the ones going to get the second goal. Um, and Willie Tierney now, to be fair, made some great saves for Peak Villa as well. But in the 93rd minute, um, Villa of Watford equalised um, from Conor Kilgallen. A really good strike flew into the net and the game headed for extra time. But even in extra time, it looked like it was going to a couple of chances at both ends. Ronan Maguire was clean through again, one-on-one with the keeper to win it for Peak Villa. Again, the keeper comes up big for Villa of Watford. And then it looks like the game is over. Yeah, 111th minute, last action of the game, a long throw for Villa of Watford. Peak Villa were down to 10 men, so they had nine outfield players in the box. Villa of Watford had a defender back on the halfway line. They had Lake on Oki taking the throw. So they had eight bodies in the box against nine Peak Villa bodies. But somehow Connor Whittle managed to be free on the edge of the box. And that's what will sting today, looking back on the video of it and looking over it, is that someone's not got out and picked up Connor Whittle. Yeah, I've seen uh, footage of that. And two things strike me. One is how Villa celebrated that, that clearly it meant an awful lot to them to win that match. But secondly, leaving a player who's capable of sticking the ball in the top corner from 18 yards, if not more, uh, shouldn't be left on his own. Yeah, and look, these are, these are, this is probably the big learning from it in terms of, like, it is significant that Peak Villa were the better side and they have made giant strides in terms of at the top of the junior game now. And it's about trying to win a monster or an FEI. But what I played, I, you know, if I'm the centre forward, it's back and I'm covering the edge of the box there and I don't get out Connor Whittle. Tony Scully has me up by the throat in the dressing room after the game. That's the nature of this. It just doesn't happen. Um, and people have got to look at that and they've got to be furious with it hmm. um, because the only way you learn from it, um, it, you know, it just cannot happen at that level that Conor Whittle is standing. And even when he, when the ball is clear to him, looking at the video, I think you've got to get out to him quicker and you've got to get that ball in the face. Yeah, look, it's something that they'll reflect on, I'm sure. Malahide is uh, Camel Celtic's opponents in the FAI fifth FAI Junior Cup fifth round Crumlin will make the trip to Thurles to take on Peak Villa while Michaels have a trip to Dublin to take on Hardwick FC I don't know anything about Hardwick yeah, look, they, I think there are three good ties. St. Michael's one being the stickiest. I was actually up in Hardwick last year myself with Evergreen and Kilkenny. Um, Hardwick have Travis Flood Mortes, the Oscar Strainer striker for the Leinster Senior League. They have Gary Burke in midfield, played League of Ireland with UCD. They're a decent side. They're a very attacking side, but they do leave gaps. And I think St. Michael's will be a little bit too professional for them. But they do have goals in them, and it's a tricky one. And they play in Dublin Port on what I could only describe as a hockey pitch. It's a terrible surface. Okay. Um, so there'll be a few little things like that to navigate, and um, it'll be tricky. Peak Phillip play Crumlin's second side, because obviously Crumlin have a senior yes, side playing yeah. intermediate football. So they're good draws, um, and I think Common Celtic will fancy the Malahide one as well. The fact that two of them are at home, I think, is a big deal as well for Celtic and for Peak, you know? Massive. I think Celtic and the bypass are a match for anybody. Now, they went away in the last round to Blarney and did really, really well. Um, but I, I think Thomas Celtic play great stuff in the bypass. They've got huge attack and threat. They'll get great support over there. And they're a lot um, better now than they were a month ago, I think. 100%. Sean Brown back um, it may, may, makes a huge difference to them as well. They seem to have a GA commitments aside as well. Um, I think they're really up and running now at the moment. 
Barry, I got to fly, but thanks for your time and happy Christmas to you and yours. Thanks a million, Ronan. Not at thanks all. Barry Ryan joining us there. Just before we go, let's go to the mid senior football final. It's down in Templemore. Tom McGrath's there. We're a few minutes away from throwing Tom. Uh, Lockmore Castellani against the church. Uh, what are we doing playing mid football in December? Well, sort of. I, I started my career we were playing mid football finals in December, but they had to be played within the calendar year and all that type of stuff, and they were played. But uh, no, it's been it's been played tonight. Look, Monday night, eight o'clock on the lights. I think, there's an, and there's a nice crowd gathered in for it as well. Like so, bit of interest in it, all right. Like, but the holding people among among the listenership, if uh, if the, if there's a case to be made for holding the link between the divisions in the county. This is it because this is what will happen in Ireland Championship if we ever break that link. But anyway, more you, about do, tonight. But do you think George, then George it, speaking do, their first title, Lockmore Castellani, numerous titles. But I think the church, the church have a reasonable chance. I think although the Lockmore lads have prepared well enough for it, from what I can gather anyway. But a um, couple of absentees, I suppose, really. But sure, that's 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 typical this time of the year. But no, I think the church will church had a good win over Drummond Inch in the semi final. They're going to bring their usual battle qualities and no little skills to the, to the event. So um, I think a, a fairly rousing encounter, good lights here in Templemore. So um, conditions are a little bit slippery underfoot, but overall hit, uh, overhead conditions are great. Like So look, it's the 18th of December, but there's nobody too worried about it. No, no. Two things to take that interest me in what you said. One is that, that the Church have never won a mid-senior football title. That That's interesting. The other thing is, you know, you talk about links with, with the divisionals and the, and the county championships. Is there a sense, and I ask you to be brief on this, that this is almost an afterthought for the mid that this match is taking place? Yeah, well, I suppose a tribute, I think, to the, the organisation within the division and the clubs involved, they're playing it. And the, some of the other divisions haven't done that. So I'd be saying, look, mid, the, mid, the mid are leading by a bit of example, giving equality to both to both codes. And I'd, I'd be urging the other divisions to do the same. Like, And the clubs to back the officers in the divisions as well because they can only do what the clubs are willing to are willing to do amongst themselves like and you know the church the church in Lockmore Castellani and the other senior teams in the mid they were anxious to play this football championship and they're they're playing it it's, it's been a number of weeks since the semi-finals were played but no they're playing the final and I think great credit to both clubs and both sets of teams to, to be going about it and give due credit to the mid officers as well for, for pushing the thing and acceding to the yeah. enthusiasm shown by, the, shown by the clubs Tom I hope you enjoy your evening in Templemore thanks for your time happy Christmas to everybody up there uh, many have returned Ron and sure the only way it's enjoyable is what if you can win it but I don't think anybody outside of Lockmore Castellani would begrudge the church a, a, a mid-title ok so, righto no, we'll, we'll give him a chance ok thanks indeed Tom thanks for your time ok Ron all the best bye 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 that's it that's all from myself and Eno Connor, and on behalf of myself and Eno Connor, I want to wish all our listeners a very happy Christmas and a prosperous 2024 we'll be back with you in 2024 till then good night and good luck